we ready to go this morning? All right, good morning. Welcome. How many of you guys noticed that uh, we have such a rowdy crowd every month that this month we had to get an officer to come and kind of monitor the situation, right? Thank you for that comedy relief this morning. Somebody mentioned that to me. Uh, so how many of you are excited to be here today to learn about how to create and go out and do some scamming? Awesome. All right. Yeah, actually, if you're here for avoiding homeowner scams, that would be the right place you're in. Yeah, so we're glad you're here. My name is Nikki Buckaloo. For those of you who are new to the group, um, we're the Senior Living Truth Series, and uh, as you probably saw out front, there are several of us that have come together to put this on and sponsor this event. Um, my husband Chris and I and our team, the Buckaloo Realty Group, if we can get our sponsors to settle down back there, they're so excited about being here. I told you we have an officer on duty today, you guys, so you better behave yourselves. So my husband Chris is going to be on the panel today. We're the Buckley Realty Group, Mature Moves Division. Um, you may be wondering, why are realtors hosting an event on how to avoid scams? And what you may not realize is that a lot of the folks that we talk with on a regular basis when we go to their homes and they're thinking about making a move or downsizing or moving to a senior community is because they are concerned about the potential of being victimized or being vulnerable in their own home. And so what we would like to do is help equip you with some things to help you avoid that um, so that if you choose not to move or downsize, you feel safe and, and secure in your own home to do that, um, obviously. Um, I want to point one thing out that, that uh, and I'm sure our panelists will too, and that is anybody is susceptible to being scammed. Can we all agree on that? Right? This is not a uh, gender issue. It's not an ethnicity issue. It's not a socioeconomic issue. It's none of those things. It's just a people issue. And um, I'm from small town America. You know, born and raised in a little town of about 1,200 people, graduated with 36 in my class. And one of my favorite things to do as a kid was raise money for sports or a band or something like that. And we did that door to door, right? We sold plastic cups, <laughs> you know, those, those uh, really pretty gold ones with the mushrooms on them. And I think the white or the, the off-white ones had uh, strawberries on them. Does anybody have some of those? My parents do, still, <laughs> lots of them. Um, we sold candy, you know, we sold wrapping paper, and we went door to door to do that. And guess what? People opened their door, and they asked us in. And we, we you know, had no problem leaving our doors unlocked, right, even overnight. We never locked our doors. Matter of fact, we let ourselves in at most everybody's house around town, <laughs> Right? We just go, hey, anybody home? And we just walk on in. Now you do that, you might get shot. So I get it, right? Now, I may not get it uh, at the same level that you get it because, as I understand it from my dad, uh, who just retired a couple years ago, before, uh, before I was born, you know, he even had less of a concern. So can we all agree that the concern has just gotten heightened with each generation, Right? Now, the unfortunate part is that our scammers out there and the people that do these kind of things have gotten more savvy and sophisticated. Thank you for that word. And they also have the ability to hide, whereas used to, if they did something like that, they had to almost look you in the eye and do it, right? 
And now they're doing it from behind the telephone, behind the computer screen, and they're doing it with some anonymity that is hard to detect, right? So we're going to be talking about that today and how to detect that. Um, so by the way, did you know that um, those door-to-door those -door sales things that we used to do, that I was one of the top salespeople, does that surprise anybody? Right? And you might think it was because I was a good salesperson, but the truth of the matter is, is I had about eight great aunts and uncles that lived in my hometown. And so when all my friends would say, I'm going to start at that street and work my day way down, I'd go, okay, here's my list of aunt and uncles. I'm going to go there first. And they would all buy. And then when my friends would get to their door, what would they say? Oh, I'm sorry, we already bought from our niece. So I always won, and Jan is from, from Geary, from where I'm from, and she knows how that works. And so, uh, so I was always the winner, and if you can guess my top number in sales, how much I sold one year, plastic cups for band, I'll give you a prize at the end of the seminar, right? So sponsors can't guess. Just attendees. So if you can guess how many dollars worth of plastic cups I sold, and you can give me that number, Amber, don't let me forget to ask, or Chris, at the end, and we'll give somebody a gift card to bombs. All right? Sound good? Yeah. All right. So we're going to bring up our panelists, uh, and we have three amazing panelists today, and um, at least two of them are amazing, and then Chris Buckley will be on our panel as well today, and he's like the, the panel, I just, you know, he's the best in the whole wide world. I'm not sure he prepared so I'm hoping that he prepared so he can make us all look good up here. So um, I want you to do me a favor. You guys that have been here before know the routine. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to learn something today. Now turn back to your neighbor and say, it's about time. What town are you from? Geary, Oklahoma. Yeah. So he asked... If where I'm from, I said Geary, Oklahoma, which is out west, about 50 miles. And yes, it is the high school wrestling capital of the state, if you will. All the big 5A schools came out there to wrestle, and we usually beat them. Now, that was the only sport that we did that in, but yes. And somebody asked me last time to say this again, that you know, people always ask Buckaloo, are you related to... Angela Buckaloo, who's on Channel 9, yes, we are, and Ronnie Buckaloo, who's a divorce attorney in town. So if you've been through a divorce, you probably know Ronnie. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so enough about us. Let's introduce our panelists. I'm going to have them tell you who they are, what they do, and then we're going to just kind of dive into some of the scams out there that we want you to be aware of. So where's our microphone at? We're going to have um, Officer Bob, you start. Okay, um, Sergeant Bob Scala. I am the uh, police community relations officer out of Hefner Division. I do a lot of the HOA meetings, neighborhood association meetings and businesses, and also uh, crime prevention presentations. And thank you for having me. You're welcome. And he thinks he's not an expert, but I'll tell you he is. He knows his stuff. So, Cindy, you're up. Hi, I'm Cindy Opine with Adult Protective Services, part of DHS. Been there 23 years, and in DHS years, that's about 100. <laughs> no doubt. Right, no doubt. Thanks, Cindy. We're glad you're here. Who am I? Okay. Chris Buckaloo. So I'm Chris Buckaloo, uh, part of uh, OKC Mature Moves, Buckaloo Realty Group, and this is kind of one of the things we do to give back as far as education and training for, for the community. Awesome. All right. So these guys are going to just kind of, we're going to have some free conversation up here about the scams and things to look for. We're going to talk about some of the most prominent ones, and then we're going to talk about prevention 
as well as resources and reporting um, in case someone has been scammed. And we'll talk about how that process looks. Um, before we jump in, you do have a handout uh, at your seat that has um, a couple of things on it. One of them has a, uh, says at the top, the truth about homeowner scams. It says reporting. And that one has some information on it. Um, and then the second one, which says welcome, uh, has a couple lines at the bottom. And this is a great place to write your questions. And as you have questions, when we get finished with our prepared questions, uh, as we always do, we'll open it up for audience questions and we'll field your questions um, at the end. So um, let's dive in. So, Officer Bob, what is the most, um, the one that comes to mind that's the most important you think we should talk about today as it relates to being able to avoid scams? Um, sure. One of the largest scams that uh, we are aware of, and it's been going on for several years, is the grandparent scam. Um, and some of you may have been called on this, and this is where an alleged younger person, your grandson, usually in a low voice, uh, they are calling you, sometimes they're down in Mexico, and they're advising you that they are in jail and they need to be bailed out and they need for you to do it right now. And they're going to provide some information uh, in order for you to wire down money. And once you wire down the money, often you'll get an additional call from someone stating that they're working in the jail and there are some additional fees and that you're really close to getting your grandson out. And many, many people fall to this scam. I was working an extra job at a bank and one of the customers came up to me and she felt really, really bad. She had wired $10,000 down to Mexico, 10,000, she, she's very well off. Well, I, I told her to make a report. I got a call last week, I kid you not, and she left a voicemail message and she said, Sergeant Scala, I believe those same people have called me back, but I never made a police report from the first incident, but can you follow up on this now? And I called her back and I said, Mrs. So-and-so, First, you have to make a report. So if any of you have ever been scammed, you need to make a police report. And just by calling 911, that's not making a police report. An officer needs to come out or call you back over the phone and give you the incident number uh, in order for us to get um, the investigation going and uh, so we can try to hold them accountable. But my advice to all of you is verify the information uh, locally. Never just wire that money down. Trust is to be earned, it's not to be given away. So you had mentioned to me when we talked about this the other day that sometimes they'll say, it may even be a girlfriend who calls and it's a girl saying, the, your grandson or granddaughter, right? It, it could yes. be somebody else calling on their behalf? Yes, it's not always the grandson. It very well could be someone calling on their behalf, and, and they're going to know enough information that you're going to believe them, and that should give a red flag. And then they might even say, when you say, well, let me, why don't you call your dad or your mom? What do they say then, usually? 
um, often they'll say, look, I really need you to just do this right now uh, because I, it's not going to work out. Right. And so keep in mind, right, there's a high sense of urgency about this. Now, if you're in my family, you may question whether or not this is true. Like, this really could be my kid, right? Um, <laughs> I, you think I'm joking. I'm, really, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so here's the deal. You really, uh, you really have to question, because I even question in my mind, like, if it's 3 o'clock in the morning and my son presumably calls and says, Mom, I need to be bailed out. You know, there, if in the, in the height of that urgent situation, I might make a bad decision, and it sounds like him, and it feels like something he might say, and it feels like the right thing to do, and then you hang up the phone and go, holy crap, and then you call, and they go, no, I'm good, I'm at home, it's all good, I'm watching a movie, right? So making that phone call, get the phone number, and even when you ask them, so if you ask them for the phone number, how to call back, what do you usually get when they say, when you say, hey, well, give me the phone number, and I'll call right back. Yeah, often, sometimes they'll end up hanging up the phone or they'll disconnect. And, and like what Nikki said, call another family member. Right. You need to do that because that'll really save you a lot of money and a lot of grief. Okay, so let's talk about real quick, before I go to Cindy, hang on, I want to stay with this because I want people to know how they're finding that information out. You may not realize this, but... If you're using Facebook, then that information a lot of times is on Facebook. So you're connected as a family member. Sometimes it'll say, hey, this is like I can say this is my son. And it'll ask my son to, um, to confirm that. And then what happens is anybody can look on my profile if I don't have it secured. And they can see who my family members are that I've associated with. So they're checking you out that way. The other thing that I didn't know about, a good friend of ours told us this last week, or a couple weeks ago, Ancestry, right? All these online genealogy sites, guess what? Your whole family history's out there. They do know your grandson's middle name, and they do know maybe the year he was born. Is there other ways they're finding that out besides those? There is so much of our information out there anymore um, today, ladies and gentlemen. And this is why it is so important for you to verify that information uh, because there's just so much right. of it out there. Uh, it's very easy to be scammed. And the scammers are constantly evolving and they're changing their tactics. So you got to be very alert and be aware. And that's why the number one advice is to verify that information. Mm -hmm. That is critical. They are playing on your good heart mm -hmm. and your trust because they know that all of you came from a day and time when trust was paramount in our society. I always say half of America is trying to scam the other half now. <laughs> I mean, right. but this is yeah. just the world right. that we live in. Uh, you're still great people, but you're going to verify that information, right. and you're going to protect those assets that you've worked so very hard for. Right. And then you're going to call your grandson, and when he says he's not in jail, you're going to tell him how proud you are of him, right? <laughs> All right, Cindy, you're up. What would, what would you say? We talked before this, and you had one you thought was really important people know about. It's old, but it's, and it's been around, but the Internal Revenue Service scam it is alive and well. We've had 365 just referrals to APS in the last three months on the IRS scams. Wow. And that's just, you know, if one and that's just in... just the people who reported it. 
people that reported it and only one in four report. So 365, you'd think that's one for each day, but in only three months. And the IRS, um, they will not call. They will not threaten to send a local police officer out to arrest you. But that's what the scammers say. The scammers want to instill fear and want people to pay. Um, we have bank tellers that call us and say, Mrs. Smith is here because the IRS is coming to arrest her today if she doesn't wire $10,000. And um, they sound convincing. This is what the scammers do for a living. And like with the grandparent scam, sometimes we are guilty of giving the scammers more information if they are disguising their voice or using sneaky tactics as what I call, then we fill in that information from you. Jason, is this you? So now they know our grandson is Jason. Yeah. And um, So Cindy, talk to me a little bit about the, the caller ID thing. Because it, it looks like they're calling, the IRS is calling because it's on my caller ID. It's fake. It's fake, fake, fake. I can, I can take, I can get on my computer and I can put in that I'm going to call you from Nikki Buckaloo's phone and then when it rings it looks like it's Nikki but it's actually the scammer behind the the phone it's called spoofing and and they sell uh, Radio Shack still sells the machine I think that makes it so that it is possible for me to put anybody else's number in and make that call um, I'm guilty of doing that because when my sons don't answer my phone calls, I, I have then acted like it's their grandma calling and they always pick up. Yeah. So if I can do it, scammers can do it. Yeah, guy, and that's what I think a lot of people don't realize. When we're, I, a lot of times when I'm meeting with a client and their home phone rings, their landline, and they say, well, let me go pick this up. The first thing they do is they look at their car ID and look to see if it's a legitimate or a known number. If it's an unknown number or anonymous, they usually won't pick it up. But I will tell you that 9 out of 10 times my client will pick up the phone if it's somebody they think they know or a doctor's office or something like that that they think they can trust. But you don't know just by that caller ID box who's on the other line. You really don't know. You don't. And, and you can always, you know, the Internal Revenue Service is always sending out claim letters I don't know if that's what they call them, but the letters that say you owe $16,000. And then they may follow up by phone. But what's happening is scammers are looking and seeing tax liens, and then the scammers call and say, I know you got a letter, because they know the procedures that the IRS uses. So they call and lie and say that they're following up, they're with the IRS, they're following up on that letter that you got when it's not actually them. So Cindy, how do you verify? Because what if it is that kind of a letter that they're following up on a, on a collection letter, if you will? A how real letter, that? but the fake person right. following up. Right. Any time you get one of those calls, and, and say it does come up on your caller ID that's IRS, if I actually work for the IRS, I can give you my badge number and I can give you my phone number so that you can call back. 
Um, I do this with DHS. I have a direct line on my desk, but if I call someone and I say, hi, I'm Cindy with Adult Protective Services, if that person wants to call me back, I do not give my own number because hello, what kind of, that's, you're, you're just verifying that the person I said I was is the person you're calling back. But if I give you the main switchboard number, 522-5818 uh, is the main number for the, the Kelly office, and it's torture calling through that <laughs> number, I realize that. But it's the only way, if you call a switchboard and they put me through to you, to, they put you through to me, then you know that you've legitimately called DHS and they have legitimately put me through to you. And the same is true with the IRS. And the longer it takes for that to go through, the more real you know it is. <laughs> just saying. I'm just kidding. True story. <laughs> true. That's true. I'm just giving you our time. No, it's so Be true. Cindy, before you pass the mic to Chris, I, I, I think it will be important because not everybody in this room knows what Adult Protective Services does. Could you give them a, a snapshot of what your department does? She's asking me to tell you about the best division in DHS. I would agree. Um, child Welfare investigates abuse and neglect of children birth to 18. Adult Protective Services investigates abuse, neglect, and financial exploitation or sexual exploitation of adults, vulnerable adults ages 18 until my, my oldest client was 105. Um, and, and when you say investigate, we're talking about you guys are on their side. Right? So yes. You're, so you're like a police officer, but you're not police officer. Without a gun. Without a gun. There you go. Yep. Right? A lot of our right. police officers are in the role of being social workers with a gun. We're actually social workers without a gun. You're actually police officers without a gun. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true, too. Kind of, in a way, yeah. Um, so, it, so reporting to you guys is not the same as reporting to the police. No. Everybody in this room, raise your hand. Everybody in this room. You're, every single person that has their hand up is a mandatory reporter. If you... Let me repeat that. A mandatory reporter. Now she's going to tell you what that means, to be a mandatory reporter. It means if you suspect or have knowledge of, it doesn't mean that you have investigated and proved it to be true. That's our job. But if you suspect or know, if you're worried or concerned about your next-door neighbor, Say someone dies and they're living alone and you start to see the newspapers pile up or the mail pile up um, or the lawn's not being taken care of, you can call and ask us to check on that person. And I've never not been allowed in someone's home. I've, I've sometimes been sorry that's not true. Um, but I can always... I've always been able to talk myself in. And the first thing that once I've established rapport and trust is, please don't do that. Please don't let anybody. I will have a badge on. I don't have my badge on right now. But I will have a badge on if I come to your door that says that I work for DHS. It has my picture. Um, but, but we have to be so cautious these days about letting people in. But when we do come to your door, it is just because we've received a report. We 
cannot tell you by law who made that report, and everybody always wants to know. I always say that it's someone who's concerned about you, or it's someone that's PO'd at you. Can, can be either way. But we, are, we advocate for clients to get services. Scariest thing, everybody thinks we're out there and when you see us on the door, you think we're coming to put you in a nursing home. And that's the very last thing we want to do. We are, by law, have to do least restrictive. So keeping people safe in their homes, independent, is actually what our main goal is. Awesome. Thank you for explaining that, Cindy. Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to circle back in a few minutes and talk how you guys work together as a police, uh, with the police. But, um, Chris, what is the number one scam you see happening from your seat today? Well, we come from the transaction side of as far as the real estate sales side. So I, I, I'm going to step back and say we, I'm not going to say they're scams. I'm just saying they're uh, very expensive ways to convince you to do certain things. So it's not that they're illegal necessarily as much as it's just... It's the IRS calling. Hang on just one second. (laughs) (laughs) Betty, just tell the IRS that we'll get back to them, but get their number. Just get their number. Always get their number. All right. Uh, So one of the biggest things we probably see is when you're going to sell a house or you're going to take care of a house, termites are usually a big concern in Oklahoma. It's a very common problem that we all have. So with termites, there are several companies out there that, that do what they call bait stations. They put them in the ground, and, and some of you probably have them. And they're a very expensive way to treat for termites, not necessarily the first go around, but the annual contract is very expensive versus having a termite company actually come out and drill and treat a house and go on from there. So that's one of the things that we see that people have had for 10 or 15, 20 years, and they probably could have paid for a termite treatment two and three times. So it's not that it's a bad service, it's just an expensive service. Well, and sometimes, Chris, they guarantee that you won't have termites, but you may still get termites. Right, and they'll come out and treat just like any other company would. It's just the expense of doing it, it's just one of the more expensive ways to to take care of that issue. And that's one of the things we see quite often in in seniors is that bait station thing because it's sold as a guarantee and it's several hundred dollars a year to maintain and keep when you can do other services for a lot less. Yeah, so not a scam per se, but an unnecessary, what we call upsell. Does that make sense? Okay, so if you're curious about those things, we can, we can always tell you if we think there's a better alternative, but that's a, that's a big one because they go door to door. A lot of them go to door to door. A lot of them, you'll start looking in the phone book and there's, they have big ads and that's where they come from. You, you're paying for the ad by making that phone call. It's just yeah. an expensive way of doing the service. All right, Cindy, I'm going to come back to you. Give us your next most popular one. The gypsies. The gypsies are out and about. Um, We have a a very large gypsy population in, or travelers, they might be called travelers. Um, and, And I don't mean to sound inappropriate, but you just... You have to be wary. Um, and in traveling businesses, that um, you have to be wary of the guy that knocks on your door. We, in storm season, we always see several thousand of referrals because they knock on your door and say, I see you have leaf, loose shingles. Or um, I've had a, I had a, a client that she came out to find a guy on her roof and said, well, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm doing your free inspection. Um, And while he had been up there, 
he had, unknown to him, he had been filmed by the neighbor across the street, and he'd been loosening shingles. Um, and then he was going to tell her, you know, how he could fix those, and he just needed $300 down, and it would save her $10,000. And um, But this is the season when it starts to warm up, and when we have tornadoes and we have hail, it just springs out... Um, the worst. It I'm, trying, the worst. I'm trying so hard to be nice because <laughs> normally I use the word cockroaches somewhere That's in, it. My, That's the in word. my story. Yeah. This is the truth um, about senior homeowner scams. It, yes. It is. Yes. And Say they it. proliferate. And they one do. thing that you need to know when you have uh, John Smith come and he, he knocks on your door and he offers to do this as an unre you know a um, a lower price, and you have him come in. You're allowing him then to have access to the box of checks you have in your house, or you know to find out personal information, and then he can sell your information to his not so ethical buddy, who then comes to your door. Um, you know, it's and not to mention, Cindy. I mean, as a side note, they're not insured. They're so not in, they're not licensed and bonded. Two really important things that you want to have someone, if they are going to come get on your roof, you want them to be licensed and bonded, because if they do fall and hurt themselves, you don't want to bear the cost of that. You want the person right. that license that that has bonded them to bear yeah. the cost of that. Matter of fact, Cindy, someone brought this today. Thank you. Who's my person who brought this to me today? Where are you at? Come on. Give it. Yeah, there you go. All right. Thank you. Be wary of roofing identity theft scams after storm, authorities say, right? So the papers picked it up and said, hey, pay attention. It's not just the gypsies. It could be a guy that looks like a legit roofing company with a $25 magnet on the side of his car who looks legit but may not be, right? So how do you check those people out? Well, the other thing, it, when, you, when you check them out, we have roofing companies that come from Texas or Arkansas or Louisiana or out of state. Um, and that's your preference. If you, I always choose Oklahoma businesses if I can. Number one, if they're here and I have a problem, I can go to their office and I can deal with them face-to-face. And it's going to be harder for them to tell me no than if they're in Louisiana and we're on the phone. Right. So that's just my right. personal thing. But right. you want to check them out with the Better Business Bureau. Anybody, you can look them online. You can Google. Um, we haven't talked about that scam yet, but the, the fake checks that you get, I don't, I don't, I don't want to skip to that ahead. one. Come back to that one. Yeah, come um, back to that one. But you so, always want to Google anybody. Yeah. If you're going to try to use them, if you Google, and I'm making up a name, but Minor Construction Company, and there it'll pop up that there's three lawsuits against them, or it'll pop up that they have a triple five-star rating. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, better yet, call your realtor. We know all the good roofers, and we know all the crappy ones. For sure. 
And so we're happy to share that information with you as well. And if we're not your realtor and you have a different realtor, then call your realtor that you trust. But call somebody who's in that industry who deals with these people regularly and don't just call somebody off of the Internet, right? All right, what's the next fun thing that we get to deal with on a regular basis? Well, many of you may have received a phone call, and it's called the Can You Hear Me scam. And what they're trying to do is they're actually recording you, and it's going to sound almost like a robot. It sounds like a real person, but if you listen very carefully, once they get you to say yes, okay, they've recorded you saying yes, and then they are using that statement to either open up credit or charge. They've already got your information, uh, so we take a lot of identity theft reports every day uh, here in the city. So when you do pick up that phone, be very careful about saying yes. I would practice saying no. <laughs> and, and then there's another scam that I want to talk about more recently that we experienced here in Oklahoma City. Uh, and it happened in the Northwest Quadrant. We had about four or five youth at a local school and they were going door to door saying they were. Were they selling Tupperware cups? <laughs> Not Tupperware cups. Oh, they that were, would have been the coolest. <laughs> they were selling candy or some other item, and they looked very sympathetic. And one of them might ask to come in and use the restroom, and some of you may have let them in. And they would distract the homeowner, and then the other person, while using the restroom, they were stealing laptops and personal items. And we got alerted of it, not so much from police reports because we weren't getting them. It blew up on nextdoor.com, okay? Are any of you on nextdoor.com? A few of you are. That is not an official police reporting tool. It's not because we were getting slammed on nextdoor.com. Why aren't the police doing anything about it? So I was calling people back up. I'm the administrator at Hefner Division for Nextdoor, and no one was making police reports. Right. But the main thing I want to say about this, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know people, do not let them in your house. Yeah. Okay, can we do that? Right. In fact, yeah. don't even open the door if you don't know who they are. We recommend that everyone have a storm door. You keep it locked so you can talk through the storm door. Your storm door is your secondary barrier. Your front door is your primary barrier. Be very careful. If you don't know who they are, talk through the door or through the storm door. But again, kind of getting back to the can you hear me scam. Be very careful about saying yes over the phone and then don't answer the door to people that you don't know gosh i almost feel like i'm going to be a, a prisoner in my own home in a way i wouldn't say being a prisoner i would say just be cautious and be prudent don't be paranoid america has changed a little bit back in the day many of you could just go out the front door and smell the roses right wasn't that nice but now we also have to smell the thorns, too, because those roses often have thorns. We've got to be alert. When you go outside, you're doing a 360. You're checking everything. Parking lots, seniors, you're looking for parking lots. Don't let people get too close. Well, I just ran out of gas. Keep your distance. Keep walking. All right? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, you just have to be cautious today. And I say this to the seniors all the time. Seniors do not live in fear. Don't do it. Okay? We know that too many men and women have paid the ultimate sacrifice for us to succumb to fear. Okay? We can live in confidence. We can outsmart these criminals and scammers by being smart and being educated and attending seminars like this. And watching our neighbors. You know, I like the idea that that person videoed that person on the roof across the street, right? I think a lot of our neighborhoods have gotten to where we don't know as many of our neighbors. And that's why people are telling me they want to move. They say, you know, this neighborhood used to be all my friends. And we all did sit out on the front porch. And we did watch out for each other. But the neighborhood has changed. And I don't know anybody anymore. And so it would be prudent to make sure that you know your neighbor when they move in. So uh, yes, that, get yeah. to know your neighbors. It's critical. The new ones that come in, the renters, a socially strong neighborhood is a safer neighborhood. It's critical. We know that neighborhoods go through cycles. When they get a little older, sometimes we get more rental property in there. We recommend that you be involved in your homeowners organization or your neighborhood association. And while I'm at it, folks, turn your porch lights on at nighttime. A well-lit neighborhood is a much safer neighborhood. Look at your on-cue gas stations where nighttime becomes daytime. And they're building the on-cues everywhere. Why? Because we want to feel safe and secure. Again, we're not living in fear, but we're going to educate ourselves. We're going to outsmart the criminals and scammers. Perfect. All right, pass it back down to Chris for me. Chris, I want you to talk a little bit about the, um, uh, where was I at? Where was I? Where was I? Sorry. Next to the police <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I try to stay away from that. Yeah, I mean, oh, the t I'm sorry. The timeshare thing. So we're getting, people oh. who get, we get calls from time to time about people asking about this timeshare sales. We get calls for people that say, I've got a timeshare and I want to sell it, but I've gotten calls and I've paid people to sell my timeshare. Timeshares typically just don't sell. I mean, they, for the most part, they don't sell. Once you've they bought them, they don't resell. They don't right, resell. Yeah. Once you've bought them, they're kind of yours. Um, and we've found really no good way to get rid of them or liquidate them because the companies out there that do resell of timeshares, they want upfront money. So you write them a check and they're done with you. They may put it on a website, they may put it out there, but for the most part, they just don't generally resell. Um, there's enough new timeshares coming on the market that the olds just don't seem to hold up. And one of the things we see is if you've done it once, like if you've paid the $500 once, guess what? You're going to get that phone call over and over again, and they're going to say they're better than the last person you used, and they really sell theirs. And you're going to, you know, you may pay as much as two, three, four thousand dollars in fees, and that timeshare is really not even being sold. No, it's not even being, right. I mean, it may be out there on a website somewhere, but it's not really being sold. Um, the best thing there is go back and talk to the actual uh, association and see if there's a way to deed back to them. So if you're wanting to get money out of it, it's not necessarily, a, it's, timeshares are a great investment for the time you put into it and in the enjoyment thereof. They're not an investment for a resale. It's not a typical real estate type transaction. It is yeah. real estate transaction, but it's not a typical investment real estate transaction. You can sell it to your family. You can sell it to a friend. I mean, it can be you, sold. You can give it to anybody. Yeah, you can give it, gift it, but don't don't pay somebody upfront money to sell your timeshare. That, they, we can't probably call it a scam, 
But yeah. as far as I'm concerned, it's a scam. Yeah, it's just it's ineffective. It's a waste yeah. of money. The other thing we're going to talk about is you, you talk about people coming to your door is that a lot of pest control companies will do a, like a, they'll canvas neighborhoods specifically to come to do pest control at the house. And they'll sell you on typically a rather expensive way to do pest control. So anybody that's coming to you to sell you something, think of it the aspect is it's probably going to be more expensive than what it really is. Even though you may say, well, this is real convenient, they're already here. If you want it done or need it done, there are lots of other resources that will do it for a lot less. While you have the mic, touch on alarm companies, and then we'll pass it back to Cindy. Yeah, alarm companies is the other one. Uh, alarm companies, what we're seeing also when people go to sell the house, that they've signed a five-year commitment or contract with an alarm company for, you know, anywhere. I've seen it as high as $65 a month for monitoring. And if you've gone in and they gave you the equipment, your monitoring fee is going to be higher. That's how they're making their money back. But there's a lot of good, reputable companies out there that you can pay for your equipment up front and save a ton of money over time with having monitoring being sometimes as low as $15 a month. Um, so there's a huge difference that you can, I mean, if you look at one year difference, you can pay worth a $600 of equipment. So it's just do the math on it and kind of pay attention to that. But alarm companies uh, are, are a big challenge because of the large termination fees when you need to get rid of your house or you're moving or whatever it is before that contract is up. And they want another $350 to terminate it. So they want you to pay, out, you know, pay up your contract when you move. Please know that if you're moving to a senior community, if you're moving to Brookdale or Spanish Cove or Concordia or Grand Tapestry and you have an alarm company contract, read your contract because you may be able to get a letter from your physician saying that you're moving into a senior community due to health reasons and you may be able to avoid having to pay that uh, contract out. So keep that in mind as well. I can't guarantee that, but we've done it with several of our clients, and it's worked really well. Um, but, yeah, you're better off contacting an alarm company. We have a really good friend, and that's where we learned about this. He was so mad one day, a client of ours, and we told him about the situation. And he goes, this is ridiculous. He, they are out there selling people this, and they are overcharging them because they don't know any different. So just don't, don't go with When I hear the what they charge the retailer for for monitoring and then what they're charging you for the service right. it's crazy it is it's crazy and it's not needed so don't just don't do the one that comes to your door call and ask for the service yeah find yeah. a good reference from somebody yeah um, I mean we've got great providers I'll even go to Cox I mean Cox does the same thing also and they provide all the in-home uh, video and I mean, you, you can go as far as you want AT&T does the same thing but there are other companies out there that aren't the big ones they can get you the same service for usually less all right Cindy you're up give us a new and improved scam that somebody may not have known about how about Affordable Care Act is anybody calling people about their Medicare stuff <laughs> oh that red white and blue mailer that comes uh, it's got a flag on the mailer and I think it has a house and it says United States of America and it looks very patriotic and it talks about the Affordable Care Act and it is a, um, it even has two, uh, they're attached by glue but they look like credit cards and you can take them off and you can call them and you can get the best price on insurance and you can send $450 to a scammer. Um, I'm not saying all, um, right. and I can't remember specifically. It says like all America. It's just the most patriotic. 
you want to Google that if you are tempted. Um, you have to be careful. There are a lot of scams out there on health insurance and supplemental Medicare contractor agencies. And again, while maybe it's not a scam, it's a little unethical. If you sign up for a supplemental Medicare, they're going to replace your Medicare and take the place of your Medicare, and usually they suck people in, like my mother. Uh, my mom is 95, and she was going to replace her Medicare with a supplemental insurance. The thing is, it didn't cover, it paid $18 on a hospitalization. That, that wouldn't have covered a cost of hospitalization in 1923. So... You have to read the fine print on those. You have to, they, again, they will offer to send a representative out. You want the paperwork. You don't have to sign anything right then. You, and you tell them you want to do the research. You want to see what they will cover, what they won't cover. Um, you know, we had last month, I think it was, uh, or March, Cindy, we had um, someone here from the program at the state of Oklahoma called uh, MAP, Medicare... Oh, help me. Assistance program, Medicare Assistance Program. And they are a grant-funded um, organization that counsels people on the insurance options with, associated with Medicare Part B and so on and so forth. So call them and verify. If you, if you do want to check one out, they would be a great resource. We know they're legit. We know they're well-versed in what they're talking about. So that would be a good resource. And while I, while I have the microphone, I want to talk about skimmers and your use of skimmers. Your skimmers. Skimmers. Um, skimmer machines. They are handy little evil devices that crooks put on gas station gas pumps. Um, and when you run your credit card, all your information is saved to a disk. And then they have your card. And they don't need the little plastic thing because they make their own. Um, and it's always best, in my opinion. I've had my card compromised twice, and I'm not quite a senior yet. Um, so I would say that is a scam that is targeting everyone. But if you can go inside and pay, if you can go to the larger, you know, um, we always want to support our local business and the little mom-and-pop organizations, but the 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 larger gas stations where you go inside and use your card are much safer if you have to use your card outside. Again, an, um, a gas station that has 12 pumps and four employees inside is a safer bet than the little one man uh, that can be distracted by someone else. Um, a lot of the smaller gas stations are targets. and. The employee may or may not be aware that someone has come by and put a device on their gas station. Anytime I go in now, and if any of you see me ever using my, my ATM card, uh, I, I grab the machine and I pull on it and I grab both hands and pull on it to make sure that the face of it doesn't come off because on a genuine ATM machine that's legit, it won't come off in your hands. And where you slide your card doesn't come apart. That's and awesome. I, 
I am willing to look like a fool to it's not be, yeah. uh, to not yeah. have my identity yeah. stolen. Yeah. So, okay. all right. Did we miss any, Officer Bob, that we need to point out? Um, well, just one thing, and it's not so much of a scam, but we hear a lot of feedback about solicitors mm -hmm. coming to our homes, and many of you might have no solicitating, no solicitor signs out front. The thing with the solicitors and even the contractors that go door to door selling a product or a service, they must have a permit and photo ID from the city of Oklahoma City. If they do not have a photo ID or permit, that is a 911 call. And some of those solicitors are very aggressive and occasionally they are casing out your homes, looking inside to see what kind of items that you have. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, if they don't have a permit or ID, you're calling 911, you're giving a good description and a direction of travel. We don't have enough people calling 911, especially from the older generation. Oh, wait a minute. I want you to say that again. Did you say there are not enough people calling 911? That is correct. In fact, not can, enough people. Can all of us just say 911? 911. Can we say it like we mean it? 911, baby. Much better. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to be just as determined, if not right. more determined, than the suspects and the would-be offenders out there. It is a mindset. Yeah. It's a winning mindset that I'm not yeah. going to be scammed. I'm going to be educated. When in doubt, call us out. You're not bothering us at all. We want that call. We truly do. And if everybody's as nice as you, I'll just call every day. Well, thank that you. would be great. <laughs> awesome. Talk to Chris. Yeah. Other cities? Uh, yes, other cities are the same, uh, same way. We know that up to 30% of all crime goes unreported. In fact, in Oklahoma City, we're 200 police officers short. And in order to justify hiring additional police officers, we actually need to know what the real crime is going on. If we don't know about it and our response time, we want to have a good response time. How many of you have ever had to wait more than 30, 40 minutes or an hour for a police officer? Uh, not too many. Well, I guess we're doing pretty good then. Yeah. Uh, but if you are, you're going to call 911 back and ask if an officer has been assigned because we truly want to provide mm -hmm. excellent service and good response time. But if we don't know about it, we can't do anything about it. Yeah. Last thing, Chris, I want to uh, pass the mic to you. Talk a little bit about the – we have some folks that after they've sold their home, they might receive mail asking for money. Talk about that, and then we're going to talk about uh, some prevention. So if you sold your house, they've basically filed a deed saying you've sold your house, and the follow-up to that usually is property tax. You're going to get an invoice from somebody saying it, that looks really official, like a invoice from the, the, the county, county and it's really not. All of that stuff is taken care of when you go to the closing company. They manage everything. If there's anything additionally owed or needed to be collected, that title company will contact you. You will not get an invoice just randomly from anybody. Um, we hear about that after the fact several times. Also the same thing if you were to buy a property. You'll get lots of fun insurance requests afterwards. A lot of, uh, it used to be called credit life, but in essence it's just life insurance. If something happens to you, they'll pay off the house. Well, see your insurance agent, they'll actually provide a similar life insurance, lots of other products that are a lot better rate to do something along those lines. 
You know, guys, you'll notice that as real estate agents, we don't do door-to-door, door-knocking. I just found out I didn't know you had to have a permit to do that. We used to do that illegally, evidently. Glad nobody called 911. It's it's been longer than the statute of limitations, so we're good. Good. All right. Carol, remember. And the other thing we don't do is we try not to mail people advertisements about selling you something, right? Because obviously, again, what we want you to do is call the reputable people you know instead of calling somebody from a piece of mail because that piece of mail may or may not be reputable. I know that the sponsors in the back of this room, I have fully vetted them. I know that they're legit, right? I know that Melissa Hill and her group have insurance and that their people are adequately trained for home care. I know that. So I would say to you, don't necessarily, if you, if you don't have a person that you trust that you can call and ask for references, let us be that person. Let Officer Bob, let Cindy call a public servant or call somebody that you have a business relationship with for many years that you trust and get the referral from them. We all know lots of people. We really do. We all know lots of people. And there's no reason why you should have to go with somebody you've never met before to get a roof, get your plumbing fixed, get your floors done, get your trees trimmed, get your yard mowed, any of that. You should not have to go with an unknown. You really shouldn't. Uh, I want to talk, before we open it up for questions, I want you to talk a little bit about triad. And also, uh, do you pronounce it cafe or cafe? Cafe, right? Okay, so uh, Dr. Bob, uh, Dr. Bob, <laughs> wow, Officer Bob, I've been promoted. You've, been, you've been promoted. <laughs> I've always wanted to be a doctor. Or demoted, I don't know what. Yeah, so talk about Triad. Yes, uh, Triad is a program here in Oklahoma City. Cheryl Presley uh, is our representative for the police department. And then we also work very close with the county. But Triad is a program. It's totally free where we have educational seminars, where we help educate our seniors about the scams, about crime prevention through environmental design, and also on legal issues. I've got some brochures over there uh, on the Triad program with all of the contact information uh, for all of you to get signed up. In fact, each year they also have a senior prom. Have any of you been to the senior prom with Triad? A few of you have. uh, This year it's going to be at the Embassy Suites. It's really a great time where our seniors come together. They fellowship. They share information. They share best practices. And fashion Uh, tips, by the way. Just saying. Yes, yes. That's important. I know that you didn't notice that, but that happens too. (laughs) But uh, the Triad is an excellent program. And they have something called SALT Councils. Yes, the senior and law enforcement team. Uh, Again, they have the the council and a panel that goes on uh, that puts out a lot of great information. It's all about educating all of you to protect your assets that you've worked so very, very hard for. Yeah, assets and your, you know, the ass part of that too, just saying, right? Yes. That was a joke. Did nobody else get that? (laughs) Right? All right. Cindy? In Oklahoma County, we have the Coalition Against Financial Exploitation of the Elderly. It's on your handout, by the way. Oklahoma County, we started that about 15 years ago. And as a coalition, it brings banking, law enforcement, adult protective services, other community partners. Sunbeam is one of our partners on that. And we network and we talk about 
um, generalized what the scams that are going on. And then we casework and we, our district attorney sends an ADA, Peter Haddock, who is the best ADA in the state. Peter has prosecuted and we're up to 275 convictions in Oklahoma County. The other closest county in the state has three. So because of, I, I firmly believe because of CAFE, we have more prosecutions of elder exploitation than any other, and, and not just Oklahoma. We lead the nation in elderly exploitation prosecutions. You know, I don't know how good I feel about that. What that tells me is that we also have a lot of them which is kind of a scary thing. So I'm glad they're being prosecuted, but it's unfortunate that we hold a record for people being exploited who have to be prosecuted. How would you frame that for me? It's happening, whether it's being prosecuted or not, right. whether it's being reported to Adult Protective Services or not, it's happening. Um, I always feel a tiny little bit like a bad person when I get up on my desk and do the, oh, somebody got arrested dance. <laughs> um, and I realize y'all might not dance when somebody, but, but when I've held the hand of the 93-year-old that's lost her $168,000 to the creep down the street that came in and he, he started by lowing by mowing her lawns and he ended up, you know, calling her grandma and telling her he loved her and he wiped out her life savings to the point that when she fell and broke her hip, um, instead of being private pay and paying for that nursing home rehab that she needed, the state paid for it because she was eligible for Medicaid because and we had to jump through some hoops, and my card's over there. I will help you jump through any DHS hoops that ever come up. But I held her hand. She was devastated. So when he got prosecuted and he got his 10 years, I did stand on my desk and dance. Mm -hmm. um, I am behind yeah. partition, so not everybody sees that. But... <laughs> um, so, Cindy, you know, here's something, both you and, and Officer Bob, let me just interject here. We haven't talked about this today, but I would be remiss if I didn't point it out, based on what you're saying, is sometimes the people who scam us are strangers, and sometimes they are the people closest to us. 86% are family members or people that we know and trust. 86%. 86%. Guys, in, in, in all fairness... We're talking about people who have kind of manipulated their way in, right? It could be an in-home caregiver who actually really does care for someone in the home and do their laundry and things like that, who has now convinced somebody that they should be their power of attorney, right? Which is against the law. Melissa, let me ask you a question. Can your people be the power of attorney for any of your care, care, care providers? Absolutely not. We've had people ask us, Chris and I, would you please be my power of attorney? Absolutely not. Because we don't ever want to be put in a position to make a decision for you. You need to have someone who has the ability to do that legally, ethically, and morally to do that. If you don't have a family member to do that, then you need to talk with an attorney. And, you know, Steve Cortez here, who's one of our sponsors, can talk with you about that. Or Steve Romero can visit with you about some resources. But, you know, your family members, I have a brother. And God love him. I do. I have a brother. And, um, and I don't mind saying that there have been times where it's borderline, right? 
where he is actually taking advantage of my father as opposed to helping him, right? But guess whose decision that is? My dad's, right? It's my dad's decision whether or not he wants to give somebody money or let somebody live with him and do all these things. It's his decision. But if at any point my dad is vulnerable and no longer able to make good decisions, and how do you define that? There's a fine line, isn't there? Right? At that point, somebody like Cindy can come in or somebody like Officer Bob can come in and assess that situation and determine better than I could because I'm inside it. Like, I'm in the middle of it, right? Like, right now, I'd like to just kick my brother out and tell him to go, right? But my dad says no. But if it gets to the point where it's an exploitation issue and not a personal choice by that person, by my dad in this case, then someone else has to step in. Right? They have to then step in and say, this is no longer a choice. This is someone taking advantage of someone who is vulnerable. And none of us ever want to get to that place. And the only, you know, I, and I'm preaching here a little bit because my heart goes out to people who don't have family. Because we're watching out for my dad, right? That's In my world, that's not going to happen because we're watching out for dad. But there are so many people out there. I think the, the statistic is that there, in the next decade, there will be 50% of people over age 65 who will not have a direct family member in the proximity where they live. 50%. And so if that's true, then who's going to watch out for them? And we have to do it as neighbors, as friends, as church congregation members, right, as members of this group, as members of Triad. So, I mean, I'm, I'm preachy a little bit here because let me tell you, we're not here just to help you be protected. We're also here to make sure that this crap doesn't happen to people that live around us, right? Now, if it's your family member and you need help with that, reach out to Cindy and ask, what should I do? How can I do this, right? Because it's not easy. Right, it's not easy. Yeah, Cindy, you want to add anything to that? I would say anytime anyone, it doesn't matter if they're a family member or not, anyone trying to isolate yep. your family member, that's a, a red flag the size of this building. And don't allow the isolation. Either call me, call law enforcement, get, get in to see that person. Um, they're usually very controlling. The person doing the exploiting, right? Well, yeah, because they want to get away with it. That's right, yeah. Very private, very, they don't want people to see their paperwork. They don't want people to see their bank accounts. They don't want people to come in their house, right? If you see that happening, then you know there's probably a problem, yeah. All right, let's open it up for questions. Um, everybody do this real quick for me, though. I want, to, I want everybody to imitate what Cindy does on her desk. Do a little happy dance for me. Everybody do this. Get a little blood pumping. we got to get everybody moving in their seats. You've been sitting here for a few minutes. All right. Okay. Uh, Bruce, no, back here. Yep. Guaranteed sale. Yeah. Talk about it. Okay, well, there are two yeah. completely Let me repeat the question. Okay. Sorry. The question, I'm sorry, is we buy your house for cash. It's kind of like the we buy ugly homes that you see. Which is a franchise. It's a franchise. There's another one called Homevestors. There's several of them. And then there's also the real estate, real estate agents who offer programs called the Guaranteed Sale Program, which is if we can't sell your house, we'll purchase it. Okay, it's a very similar concept. So, Chris, you want to talk about well, it? Well, to me, they're two totally different categories between the guarantee sale program and then buying your house for cash. 
the typically the person who's looking at coming in and buying your house for cash and you being able to easily sell your house, they're looking at buying it at a discount. And how big a discount can they buy it at? Because they're looking at one of two things. They're either come in, modify it, fix it up, make it current to, to sell it and flip it and make money there. Or they're looking at even the easier thing, which they're going to buy it from you. They're going to put money on top of it, sell it to somebody else who then is going to go buy it and fix it up. Okay, so wait, let me, you talk really fast. So they buy your house for cash. And then they turn around and just sell it to somebody else for more money literally, than they bought it for? Literally within, you know, they, they may close within a couple of days and they'll put a chunk of money in their pocket to the next person. So generally speaking, if you're going to sell your house and you want an easy transaction like that, that's a choice you make. Most, 99% of the time, you're going to get a better deal by calling a, a local real estate agent to give you an honest feedback of what it's worth how it can be sold, what kind of time frame you're looking at. And if you are looking at that, uh, selling the house for cash immediately, a realtor can work with you and literally sell it and make you more money and get the same kind of turn time. Even with a commission. Even with a commission and everything, because yeah. that's how big a discount they're looking at buying it. My understanding is, is they're, they're telling you that their intent is to resell it and make money on it. And they're supposedly telling you how much they're doing. So they're supposedly educating you on what you're losing out on. But the fact is, I don't necessarily believe that, number one. Number two, is it working with a professional real estate agent, you can be better off. Well, so he's being very diplomatic. Some of those services out there are legit, and they really are. They do tell you, this is what we're doing. We're going to pay you $100,000, and we're going to turn around and sell it for 150 next week. And we're going to do it, make it easy for you, pay cash. You don't even have to think about it. And if you choose to do that, you've been fully disclosed. But I'm going to tell you that there are a lot of them out there that don't. They come in and they say, we're going to pay, pay you fair market value. And if you don't really know what fair market value is, and you paid $20,000 for your house back in 1962, and they're offering you $100, you may think that's a good deal until I turn around after you've closed on it and tell you it was worth 200 So there's a lot of different ways of looking at that, and that is so true, is that if they're willing to give it to you that quickly in cash and everything, yeah, question it. It's, it's because yeah. they're going to make something yeah. on the other side. There's a benefit yeah. to them doing that. So talk about the guaranteed sale program. The, the guarantee sale program, there's, there's some good validity to a guarantee sale program. Of course. Um, they're going to be looking at it. They're gonna be, you're going to get a market value of what the house is worth. You're going to be shown comps if an agent's doing it. And basically all they're saying is, I'm going to make sure you get to the next house, and I'm going to take the risk of buying your house for X understand that X is still going to be a discount because they don't want to get into the house where they can't resell it or, or whatever their investor is going to do with it. But it's going to be in a lot better situation. And you're going to know comps for the area. You're going to know exactly what it really should sell for. Um, if you go in and you list it $50,000 higher than their buy price, you may want to look at what you're listing it for. Because it may just you may be have bigger expectations than the comps that are there. But for the most part, they're going to be real similar to they'll be close to market value. And the guaranteed sale program came out during a time in the market where houses weren't selling, right? The market was slow, people couldn't get them sold, but they knew they needed to get moved. And so that was a good deal because they knew that, hey, I'm gonna give it 90 days, and if it doesn't sell in 90 days, my realtor's gonna buy it. You know, and you knew what that price and, would be. And that realtor's pricing it as if it were to sell they're going to look at the pricing saying, okay, the pricing is going down because it's a negative market usually at that time. And they're going to price it for what they think it's going to go down to six to nine months from now. 
So that way they've got some cushion so they can resell it. In the current market, you shouldn't need that. I can tell you right now, if we put your house on the market, it'll sell without needing a guaranteed sale if you price it right. If you don't price it right, the realtor's not going to offer you the guaranteed sale program anyway because they're not going to buy it for too much, right? I want to point out what Jay said when Chris said that. Contact a local realtor. Jay said he's talking about them. <laughs> that would be so, great. Thank you. In all fairness, we're not here to sell you on us. We're here to educate you. If you have a realtor that's good and reputable, then we're not trying to convince you otherwise. We just do want you to know, though, that, that these are things that are out there. And, by the way, I do second and third opinions all the time. Matter of fact, Cindy and Julie will call me from these communities and say we have a, a resident whose house isn't selling and I'll go out and do a second opinion for free just because I want to make sure that they're getting the right pricing I'm going to come right back oh go ahead oh okay gotcha I thought he was giving me a hard time we had some friends do they yeah and it's like I said we're not saying it's a scam it's not a scam yeah Gotcha. All right, cool. Yes, question back here. Sure. Yeah, so they offered, she had someone come out and do an opinion, and uh, one of the investor type people, and they offered her 30 cent, 30% off of the value. 30% right? of the total value. 30% of the total value. Yeah. Yeah. And what did you tell them? Go jumping away, or what you tell them? <laughs> yeah, it's okay to find out what they're what they're offering. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to obligate yourself. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm asking the police officer this. Yeah. Have you had any information on fake valet services? Ooh. Question is fake you know valet services. You know what I'm talking about? Like parking your car? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I understand that this I just heard recently. You will pull up, especially as seniors. We don't walk too well. So we love valet parking. Well, all of a sudden you'll see a sign that says valet parking, a guy with a little vest, a red vest, and you toss in the keys and you go into the medical building, the restaurant, or whatever it is. Bye-bye car. Also, in your glove compartment, you have your insurance verification, right. your address, yeah. you have your garage door opener, mm -hmm. so they not only steal your car, but they go to your house and empty it out. Uh, yeah. Now, I hear that... Has that happened here? It's a vague deal now. That, that may have happened, but we haven't got any reports yet. Because, and here's one reason why some people don't report some things. Let me make sure everybody heard. We're talking about fake valets. Fake where you valet. give them your keys and they take your car and supposedly park it, but they don't. Okay, go ahead. And, and many people are embarrassed that they got scammed or this has happened and this is why we encourage people to make those reports but that certainly might be something to be on the lookout yeah. for and just verifying yeah. uh, that Please those people that. work there yeah. you might ask for some identification a business card yeah. or anything like that absolutely yeah and please report that if that happens to you yes ma'am I'll come back to you Oh, 
Um, yes, and I would say, she said at least once a week, uh, she gets a phone call from the FOP or disabled officers asking for money. Here's what I say on that. Don't do it, okay? We have a local FOP. We do not call. There are a lot of scams out there. Um, you need to make sure that they are legitimate organizations. Um, now, if they're calling and asking for donuts at the station, please bring please them bring up. Those. 3924 Northwest 122nd Street. That's and awesome. we love Krispy Kreme. I'm going to get Karen and then I'll get yours. All right, Karen. Uh, yeah, she said she had one occasion where she called 911 and she got put on hold. That is unacceptable, but let me add a caveat. Occasionally, the system gets jammed up. When does it get jammed up? Storms. Storms, tornadoes, 9-11, April 19th, 1995. Occasionally, the system will get overloaded. Try to call back, and then you're going to let your city councilman know also because... Yeah. Tell them about, thank you for that, and tell them about calling the non-emergency number and what actually happens. You told me about that, and I didn't um, know. Yes. In, in fact, our resource guide is over there. We have two numbers, 911 and then the non-emergency number, 231-2121, 231-2121. That non-emergency number actually goes to a 911 operator because we know that many people just will not call 911. Okay, they won't. They don't want to do it, but we need that low-level call. But if that number is busy, you will need to call back. If you should get a rude dispatcher, ask to speak to a supervisor. Hold the system accountable to a high standard because it's not perfect, and occasionally it does need improving. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Tax records. So they're going to look at the tax records and they're going to see the property address of the actual home and then they're going to see the address of where tax invoices are mailed. So it's real easy to see whether it's actually occupied, owner occupied or not. Oklahomacounty.org. County assessor, oh, yeah, it's all public yeah. knowledge. OklahomaCounty.org, yeah. it's guys, all public record. That's why I think a lot of people don't realize, and, and you don't realize this, when you have a trust and your house is in a trust, that shows up on the county assessors. It shows not, that this house not, is in a trust. Not to mention it shows up on the county records, but if you've, if you've done anything with your property through your trust, there's a memorandum of trust that's filed with it. And the reason that's done is so that way they can validate the, who actually can sign for the trust. So there's even more information given about you and your situation. It's all filed with public record. If you go back 15, 20 years ago, your social security number used to be on there too. They finally started redacting all of that long ago. Yeah. So just keep in mind, you know, it, it's public data. And so people aren't even having to dig very deep to get that information. Yes, Julie. Do we have a cyber fraud division? Uh, we have uh, criminal intel uh, that works very closely uh, with the FBI. 
so we, the answer would be yes. It's just not called uh, cyber crimes like we see on TV. Uh, but there are a lot of cyber uh, crimes. We are at risk of cyber attack. Uh, we see it happening so much. Uh, everywhere, but I can reassure you the federal government is working very diligently to shore up those weak areas, um, the, the power grid, m many areas, a lot of cyber. The, the cyber threat out there is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. It is. Okay, I, let me answer that real quick because we get a lot, of, a lot of calls. Unless you get scammed, generally the local police are not going to do a report. And you're asking, well, why? Are the police lazy? La ladies and gentlemen, we're not lazy, but the system would get overwhelmed. Right. Yeah. There is so much attempted scams, we wouldn't have time to answer the bank robberies, the home invasions. Yeah. It's all about prioritizing resources, yeah. and there are so many attempts out there. We're not going to send a detective to South America where it originated because of the cost. Um, so we will do reports on good information, and if you've been scammed, we certainly want that report. Cindy wants to piggyback on that. Well, we didn't talk about the lottery. Oh, yeah, it was Cindy that told me about the lottery. Okay, uh, yeah, thank you. Don't send money to Canada or Nigeria. And if someone calls and tells you you've won the lottery, and you don't play the lottery, that should be your first hint. <laughs> If you didn't buy a lottery ticket, chances are you didn't win. <laughs> and, and even if you do buy a lottery ticket in Oklahoma, they don't call you if you win. Yeah. You have to look up those numbers, and you have to call them. Yeah. So that yeah. a lottery was another thing. You know, Cindy, you huge. might, as a social worker, you might address this. I did, you know, as you all know, I do a lot of research due to school right now. But there was a study I read recently that talked about um, they did brain scans of individuals who had been scammed. Brain scans like MRIs and different types of imaging. And when they did these brain scans, they did it with two different groups. One group was a group that had been scammed and knew they had been scammed and was really angry about it, like really frustrated. And then the other group had been scammed but really didn't even realize they had been scammed, okay? And when they did the brain imaging on this, what they realized is the people who did not realize they had been scammed, their brain actually had biological shrinkage. Okay? So there was actually a physical change in the brain that caused, they believe, the reasoning, their reasoning ability to be lessened. Okay? Frontal lobe. Frontal lobe has been... So do you want to talk about that a little bit? I, you can bring some expertise to that conversation. 23 years ago, when I would go and see um, a hoarder, for example, hoarding, we have frontal lobe. This part of our brain is the part that does the executive function. It's the part of the brain that can make a list, go to the grocery store, and follow that list. It's the part that... 
in a hoarder, it can be overwhelming. If you have floor to ceiling stuff and you, you can make a plan, I'm gonna clean this stuff out, I'm gonna put it in a dumpster, but ed executing that plan becomes impaired. It's not necessarily an age thing. I, I do not, I used to be able to tell you 65 phone numbers. I could tell you the social security, the phone number down there because I called it all the time. I could tell you my mom. I could tell you my kids. I can't do that now because they're all in my phone. So we don't know those numbers because we just push a face by it or a contact info. But as you, with the frontal lobe, schizophrenic brains and people with executive function have similar characteristics. They can tell you they can be really lucid and oriented and talk a good talk, but then not be able to carry out that plan, not carry out that walk. And you can have mental capacity. Every, each and every case that we work on, it's all about mental capacity. If you have mental capacity, I don't know a polite way to say it, but you can sit in your own stuff after, you know, like if you sit in the chair and you go to the bathroom, you can sit in it. This is America, it's legal, nobody can make you not sit in your own stuff as unpleasant as it is if you have mental capacity. If you lack mental capacity, then I can come, I can either get you to do voluntary services or I can talk to a judge and get some involuntary services going, but it all depends on capacity. Because if you still have the ability to make a plan, execute that plan, if you can still identify resources and find those resources, we all get to make stupid mistakes. We all get to make stupid choices. It's, it's all right. We might be non-compliant with medication. We might not follow up with doctor visits. All of those things are, are within our rights to do. We want to help people make more educated choices and, and sometimes people are afraid to go to the doctor. You don't want to go and hear you have cancer and then get treatment. It can be a scary thing, but there are people that will help you do that. But I think every crime we ever talk about, every scam we ever talk about it, for me, the heart of it is loneliness. If you're lonely, then sometimes the scammer, if they're the only ones that call you, and they're the only sweet voice you hear, then you might get attached to the scammer. So if, if you know someone who is isolated and you reach out, you're doing a service for yourself, you're doing a service for that. But if we could prevent loneliness or reach out to others and people weren't lonely, we could I wouldn't have so much job security. Yeah. Well, and just to circle back, I think what Cindy just said is huge, and that's why so many of our people that we help downsize move to communities is because of that fact they want to have social connection. The other thing about that, Cindy, the frontal lobe, I just want to go back to that. If you have a family member, a friend, a parent, somebody you know, who is, they're just not making good decisions, but they're still doing okay, right? They're still living in their own house. They're still doing well because they're in their environment they've been in and they've kind of got habits formed, right? But if they're experiencing that shift in their brain, they may make those decisions to give that $12,000 to that grandson, not because they're not smart people, 
or good business people, but because chemically in their brain they don't realize it's not the right thing to do. Does that make sense? So a little empathy about that and also make sure that you just address it if it's an issue. Make sure the doctor addresses it and make sure that we're looking out for those people. All right, do we have time for one last question before we go? Oh, my gosh, I already got yours, so I'm going to get hers. Yep. It's Comment. Yeah, so you want to talk about the drug issue, why people are... Um, yes, we have had that reported to us. Repeat what she said. Oh, the uh, question was, or the comment, that she had a friend, uh, someone had knocked on the door, asked to use the restroom, and when they got into the restroom, they got into the medication. Um, so I'd recommend making sure that your medications are secure, but more importantly, don't do let not in. let people in <laughs> yeah. your home that you yeah. don't know. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. that's just the way yeah. it is. Which is, don't do Officer it. Bob, that's why we have people, people always ask us, why do we ask people to move first and then sell their house? And, and I'm just going to tell you, it may not seem like what you want to do, but the reason we do it is because many of our clients have had hip surgeries or have, they have oxycodone, they have all kinds of stuff in their, in their uh, medicine chest that people would love to get their hands on, and even if they're with a realtor. I have had clients tell me, now, Nikki, this person came to the door, and they didn't have an appointment, but they had a business card, and so I let them come in and see the house. Did you know you can buy, you can be a realtor today if you want to. Just go have some business cards printed. They do not ask for our license number to print business cards, you guys. Anybody can be whoever they want to be. And so that's why I have people move first. Because we take everything that's your prized possessions and your medications and your jewelry and all that stuff and we get it where you're going and we get that house cleared out so you don't have to worry about those people. And, and let me add, because I participated in the drug take back program last weekend at Britain and May or two Did weekends you get some ago. Good drugs? We got seven hundred pounds of extra medications. Clean out that medication, folks, because your grandson or granddaughter might come over. We have accidental overdoses. It's amazing. Uh, the pharmaceutical industry is making a lot of money. They overprescribe so much Loratab, Oxycontin, uh, Percocet. Xanax. Get Xanax That's is a big one. Oh, stuff. yes. Get rid of that extra medication. We're going to have more of those. Okay. Can we give our panelists a hand? few questions. Uh, please remember to fill out your evaluation and you can give that to our team as you go out the door. Our sponsors will be outside to talk with you. We're doing it a little different. If you normally meet with us, our panelists are going to be up here today. So if you want to ask them a question, come to this table. Our sponsors are in the back. You have a list of our sponsors there. We just appreciate you guys and if there's ever, ever, ever a question, contact one of us. That's what we're here for. All right? You guys make it a great day.